This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we're talking about the friend zone. Scary place. Caroline, have you ever put somebody in the friend zone? Yeah. Not, I mean, not on purpose. It's not like I eyeball somebody and I'm like, you're going in the friend zone drawer. Oh, wait. Before we go any further, though, we should clarify what the friend zone is. The friend zone is not as it might sound like, you know, the zone of friend where like you see someone and you're like, we will be friends. Oh, yeah. And then you buy candy together and eat it. <laughs> Share secrets. Uh, no, the friend zone is this pop cultural trope, I would call it, that arguably began into or entered into our lexicon uh, in 1994 with an episode of Friends. Oh. In which I think Ross got put into the friend zone and Joey was all like, hey, Ross, you're in the friend zone. And <laughs> Ross is all like, ooh. Uh, and then it just like ballooned from there. And, uh, so yeah, the friend zone is when it typically relates to straight guys and girls being friends and either the guy or the girl developing romantic and or sexual, or I should say sexual and or romantic feelings for the other person and which goes unrequited. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're just the, the other person just thinks you're just friends. Yeah, and, so and they want to keep it that way. Yeah, and you got to stay in the friend zone. Exactly. Well, you know, my dude roommate actually makes fun of me because I have a lot of dude friends, and occasionally a crush will develop uh, f- where I am the object of the crush, and I don't really notice it, or I don't notice it, or I am in denial because I don't want to think that like my buddies, my friends, feel that way because I have inadvertently put them in the friend zone. But there was one instance where I literally, I had no idea. Like, sometimes, you know, and you just live in, like, a little denial bubble about it. <laughs> this is a nice candlelight dinner for two, <laughs> friend. These roses will 
Go nice. No, that actually happened too. Somebody brought me flowers and I thought we were just friends up until that point. And then, yeah, that's a whole other story. But yeah, this one time, no, I was friends with this guy. I had no idea that he had any feelings for me. As, as far as I knew, we were just hanging out, having a good time. Um, he never let on. He never said anything. He never like stared longingly into my eyes or anything like that. Uh, and I started going out with a friend of his. And not only was he hurt and upset, but he cut me entirely out of his life. And not only did he do that, he then proceeded to go to some of our mutual friends and talk smack about me. Oh, that's bad. I was going to say, if it had just stopped with he cut you out of his life, I was going to say, hey, you know what? The friend zone can be tough if if your if your little feelings get out of control. Uh, but mm, that kind of negative behavior. Yeah. So I think he was in an angry friend zone. The yeah. friend zone of anger. And anger can come with the friend zone, which is why it can be such treacherous territory, which is also why uh, we wanted to talk about it today, because uh, there has been some scholarship on this concept of the friend zone. Um, I feel like I also, um, speaking personally, have been, I don't I don't know if I've been put in the friend zone more than I have I have friend zoned people. I've done both, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I've been on both sides. I've kind of. It's more like like getting put in the friend zone is more just kind of getting, you know. It puts the. It, it's always been a way of putting the relationship in check of saying like, no, this is this is where this needs to be. These should, if we move forward, it will have terrible consequences. Yeah. But we'll get into those kinds of things later on. Uh, but the problem is like the reason the friend zone even exists is because. And, and why perhaps like we have all of these like problems with it or questions about it of like avoiding getting into it and how to get out of it and what do you do is because I mean, guys and girls haven't been friends for all that long. Yeah, exactly. This is from a great New York Times piece by William Darcywitz from April 2012. He said that, you know, back in the day, men and women existed in different social spheres and that opposite sex friendships were unthinkable. Yeah, and then he uh postulates that feminism, first wave feminism comes around and that is our first step toward these uh cross-sex friendships. Uh, you have the terms boyfriend and girlfriend appearing around the 1890s around the same time that the term feminism is coined. And then later on, uh, getting into the 20th century, you have the early 20th century, the idea of the new woman. She's intelligent. She's well-read. She's outspoken. Uh, her relationships with men are more about seeking mental partners and companions rather than just being a a, a wife-to-be. And then in uh, the 1960s and 70s with second-wave feminism, the, it undergoes this uh, further step of breaking down those boundaries of saying, hey, you know, really, like if we want to be equals in the workplace and equals at home and equals uh, at the skating rink, at the skating rink, yes, then we got to learn like for realsies this time how to be friends. Yeah, because with equality comes working in the same sphere, basically, you know, working in the same arena. And so these demands for equal rights during the 60s created the conditions for friendship, the writer said. Uh, you know, it becomes commonplace rather than strange or titillating to see a member of the opposite sex at work. So now you just have to suck it up and deal with it. It, it becomes not as weird. Yeah, but there is a big difference between just seeing and interacting with 
uh, with people at work. And being and, friends. And being friends, yes. Uh, and there's uh, some a lot of scholars actually suspect that we might have gotten more than we bargained for in terms of saying, "Hey, let's all let's all be friends." Uh, this is coming from a study published uh, this year in 2012, coming out of the University of Wisconsin, and it's called "Benefit or Burden: Attraction and Cross-Sex uh, Friendships," and it was published in the Journal of Personal and Social Relationships. And I'm going to read a little bit of a a meaty quote from this study because I feel like it sums up so well what we have done and why the friend zone is so just fraught with with problems for for folks. So the author's right. Cross-sex friendships appear to be more complex than both same-sex friendships and romantic partnerships, which have a clear place in heterosexist society. Yeah, and I would say, again, like as an aside, the friend zone is a very heteronormative uh, mm-hmm. concept, I would say. Uh, in one of the first papers on cross-sex friendship, the researcher proposed that cross-sex friends confront four major challenges. Four! Determining the type of emotional bond shared, facing sexuality in the relationship, presenting the relationship as an authentic friendship to outsiders, and addressing equality in the context of gender inequality. Not to mention, and this would make number five, potential jealousy directed at said friend by possible boyfriends, girlfriends, spouses. So, <laughs> what a goulash of problems. <laughs> That sounds delicious. It's a meaty quote and a goulash of problems. Ooh, I think I'm hungry for a roast beef sandwich. <laughs> um, yeah, this study uh, looked at 88 pairs of undergrad opposite-sex friends. They found some very significant differences in how men and women experience opposite-sex friendship. Mostly that your your male friend wants to sleep with you. Yeah. And your female friend, if you're a man, does not want to sleep with Well, you. and again, this is all in a, a, like a heteronormative context. Correct. These are straight cross-sex friendships. And the researchers w- were so determined to get to the truth of friends' true feelings for each other that they not only separated them, but before... Uh, they they would go in one by one to divulge their feelings or lack of feelings. They made the friends promise each other, probably pinky swear, <laughs> a cute, cute friendy kind of way, that they wouldn't tell the what they talked about to the other person. Yeah, men were much more likely to think that their friend was attracted to them and more likely to act on this mistakenly perceived attraction. So, like, if the man really liked the woman, he kind of projected those feelings and assumed that the, f- the feelings were mutual and that it was just a matter of time before they would either date or hook up or whatever. <laughs> but women are blind, too. It works for women just in the opposite direction because women were generally not attracted to their male friends, and they assumed that the lack of attraction was mutual. Oh man, that's some, that's some miscommunication happening, mis non communication happening. Uh, there was also a follow up study by these researchers. Uh, they talked to 249 adults and found that both men and women did cite unrequited romance as a potential negative in cross sex friendships. So we know that this, there's a potential for this to happen. This isn't some kind of surprise finding that, uh, sometimes a friend can make you think sweet things, uh, but there was a, di- a gender difference in that men were still significantly more likely than women to list the possibility of romantic attraction as as a benefit. And also, the older 
the men got, the more likely, like the wider that gender gap grew. So older, which I think might have to do with how uh, maybe a difference in how men perceive the role of women in their lives as they mature and age from short term mating, possibly when you're a youngin to longer term companionship. Anyway, uh, so so how do you let's talk more about the, the specifics of the actual zone of the friend. The zone of the friend? Yes. Uh, Lemon Drop, that, that good old website, Lemon Drop, in September 2010, broke it down. Different types of friend zoner as opposed to the zone There's the never was friend. So you start chatting up a girl you're interested in, but then end up being platonic pals, whatever. Then there's the always was friend. So you've seen this person through ups and downs, you know, holding her hair back when she's puking, going shopping, whatever. And then one day you just realize, like, holy goodness, I want to get naked with this person. Yeah, and that's the stuff that terrible rom-com movies are made of. Yeah, well, they all lead you to believe that, like, I don't know, and this could be part of the argument for why the friend zone is such, you know, crap. But, like, all these movies just lead you to believe, like, if you just hold out, it'll work out. And you know what? Based on my experience, it doesn't. A lot of the time. Sometimes it does. I have transitioned friendships into relationships before, but it can be sticky. And did it include probably a makeover montage? <laughs> for him or for me? Either one. I just love a good makeover montage. That's uh, all I'm saying. I do wear contacts instead of glasses. Uh, but according to this Lemon Drop article, there are different types of friend zones as well. And I and I do agree with this. There's uh, what the author calls a safety zone where uh, you didn't want to come on strong and scare off. And this is obviously like directed at men. Uh, so you never made your objective clear. So you just kind of try to stay neutral. Yeah. And like the, the longer you go without saying something or indicating something, the more she just assumes, oh, well, we're, you know, we're just friends. And then comes the zone of total confusion where it's you're essentially just dodging mixed signals left and right, where one minute you think that she's flirting with you and the next she's talking about some other dude and how his pecs are like totes huge. Yeah. Well, there is uh, an argument about the friend zone being terrible. I mean, obviously, the friend zone is terrible for a lot of people involved. But I had tried to transition a friendship into a more serious relationship. And it just, it just wasn't going to work. I mean, it just logistically, like everything, nothing was going to work. And so I asked the guy, like, well, you know, you've been in my life for a really long time. Can we stay friends? And he said, Caroline, we can be friends when that doesn't feel like I'm coming in second place. Oh, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. And so this whole coming in second argument was written about in the Chicago Tribune in January 2007. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And the writer Gina B. says that when a guy agrees to be quote-unquote just friends, he's forced to stifle his attraction while regularly seeing and talking to a woman he's attracted to, and that can make anybody crazy. And the thing is, too, like th- th- those kinds of dejected feelings and possible uh, negative reactions mm-hmm. can obviously like affect you whether you are... You know, in whatever your position you're in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's negative and unfortunate for everybody because if you like someone and you pin hopes on them, you you want to to hope that it works out, whether that's just hooking up with them, you know, or actually turning it into a serious romantic relationship. Well, and then there's also, uh, even though all a lot of this stuff is really heteronormative. Um, and often displayed as like a, a cross-sex thing. There's, there are often portrayals now, too, that you see more and more in pop culture of straight person or gay person pining for a straight or gay yeah. friend, you know, uh, such as the Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd right. movie, The Object of My Affection. Who wouldn't pine for Paul Rudd, though? That's true. Uh, and where, so, yeah, so like Jennifer Aniston's like wishing and hoping that perfect gay Paul Rudd will one day see her and be like, those boobs. Yeah. Well, but you know what? Not to trivialize anybody's feelings in those situations, but like at least if the friend that you're pining for is of an opposite sexual orientation. Yeah, that's then, a, and that's easy. You have to just accept that. Yeah, it's just a matter of you working on it and being like, okay, I've just got to get a grip and move on and feel better about this. But if it's somebody of like, you know, who you're the gender that they prefer... <laughs> <laughs> then then it's harder to move on. You're more likely to feel it's personally, you know, it's about me, I'm being rejected. Well, and you get along so well. You are compatible, you assume, on, on these many levels. And the only missing piece right. is sex, usually. Yeah. I mean, not to be, and I'm not saying like just like the, doing it, but like all of the chemistry that goes along with that. Uh, but, but this whole friend zone concept is also controversial to feminists. Younger feminists out there take a, take a big stink with the even, like, just the existence of the idea of a friend zone. Yeah, there are a couple of bloggers, Stephanie Willis and Elise DeRosiers. Uh, DeRosiers over at Feminspire. Willis is over at Least Likely. They argue that the friend zone is this misogynistic, uh, creation from men that they, they don't want to accept that a woman is not basically a prize at the end of friendship. Well, and it's also a thing of like, uh, 
you know, like, well, it's totally wrong. If a guy thinks that he's like invested something in a woman, you know, there should not be the onus should not be on her to have to, you know, make him her boyfriend. And this relates back to a 2007 post on Shakespeare, Shakespeare, excuse me, uh, by a guy named Jeff Feck, uh, writing about what he calls the nice guy. And that is capitalized, the nice mm-hmm. guy. Uh, he describes it as a nice guy is a guy who tells you in bitter, in a bitter resentful tone that women don't date nice guys. They only date bad boys. And because he's too nice, women only view him as a friend. And there's often a lot of aggression that goes along with this of, you know, the, and this is again is the, the capitalized nice guy saying like, women are just it's horrible because I'm perfect and I treat women incredible and, and they just want to run off with, you know, that guy who, Rides a motorcycle. Wears a leather jacket. Leather jacket. Yes. There's always a leather jacket involved. <laughs> Some pomade. Well, no, I actually, the thing is, I knew a guy like that, though. Yeah. A couple I've- years ago. I mean, I knew a guy who fancied himself to be, like, the ultimate capitalized nice guy and yet was so bitter and angry towards all women that he had gotten consistently put in this friend zone. Like, he... He was basically like railing against all women saying, I deserve something now that I've put in all this work about being a nice guy for so many years. Well, I think the difference is the the way that you can easily get trapped maybe in that mentality of saying, I am, whether you're a nice guy or a nice girl, whoever, a nice, I don't care. Um <laughs> I think you have to watch out of, uh, oh, you know, I'm great on paper. I treat people amazing, but I'm always stuck in this like friend space. You might need to just like reexamine how you go about forming your relationships because there is a different, there are differences in the way that you initiate friendships and you initiate more than friendships. And yes, friendship is a wonderful foundation to have for the, the capital R relationships in our lives. That's fundamental. Uh, but if it's happening all the time, there might be, there might be something that a, a piece of the pie that you're not. Yeah. Eating. That, that eating. didn't make sense No, at all. but I like it. Okay. I want pie. It's pie season. Um, yeah, Elise at Fem Inspire, basically her point was that she resented the assumption that uh, a man who, uh, who, a man who claims to be a nice guy in the friend zone deserves this woman's love, etc. Uh, she goes on to say, women don't only exist to date or have sex with you. Yeah, and uh, Stephanie, Stephanie Willis, who you mentioned, uh, who's a blogger at uh, Least Likely, wrote a piece about the nice guy and about how much she takes issue with the concept of the friend zone. And it was focused around a very specific anecdote about a nice guy who turned into a not-so-nice guy when he asked her out and she was like, no. Or no, he tried to kiss her. That's what happened. And she turned him down, and then he became very rude toward her. And the the post attracted a ton of attention in the comments and a lot of really negative comments from men who were like, oh, oh, sorry for being nice. And then, you know, yeah. And a a lot of well, a lot of those comments did echo what, what you said earlier about like, well, I mean, I was her friend for years and I supported her and I listened to her talk about other men. And then she like goes off and keeps dating these jerks or whatever. And it's it's funny Funny haha, funny weird, funny sad, uh, the interactions that are happening on the board. I 
found it very interesting, the responses, especially from the women coming out of the woodwork to support Willis. Basically, a lot of them were very kind of sarcastic, supportive comments, like mocking the men who were commenting, saying, you know, appreciate me. I offered you common decency. Now put out, you know, like really kind of making fun of those men who were offended by the friend zone piece. Right. I mean, like, I, I will say that uh those instances of uh the being the friend the person who's in the friend zone acting out that happens that certainly happens and this you know clearly that uh had happened to Willis and i understand the the expectation that if you invest in someone and that they should then pay you back in some way is that's just that's not going to work out. That's just a false expectation that you're creating for yourself. Um, but I, I do have some sympathy for friend zoned guys and girls. And I do think that this happens more to guys. Uh, just this is purely anecdotal where maybe the anger also comes from not so much expecting them to. Uh, you know, like that their vaginas are prizes or something like that, that they should win after putting in all this time. But I have seen women friend zone men in the way to where they substitute emotionally as boyfriends. They get everything that they need from this guy who is obviously pining away. Otherwise, he wouldn't probably be spending so much time. And no, should his reward be, therefore, she must have sex with him? No, but I've seen it to almost an abusive extent. Sure. To where at some point, you know, the guy wakes up and is like, oh, wow, I'm just being blood dry emotionally. And I'm not getting anything out emotionally, you know, as well as, sure, physically. Yeah. Well, also, I mean... Relationships like that, too, can just get in the way of finding the person that you're supposed to be with, the person that actually does want you to love them and dedicate your time to them. And I mean, I say that as, uh, like I said, a girl who has a lot of guy friends um, and like my roommate that I reference, you know, like we spend a ton of time together. We're also single, you know, when we're in relationships and stuff, I guess we spend less time with each other, but we've just known each other for so long that they're aren't any expectations. Right. I mean, he really is like my brother, and I'm not just saying that. I'm really <laughs> like his sister, too. Um, yeah, and, I mean, and that's a that's a good point, too, about uh, the, the friend being in the way of you finding anyone else if you are, you know, looking to get into a relationship. And sometimes that can be the fault not of that person in the friend zone, but of the other person manipulating you into always, you know, keeping you at arm's length. And giving you just enough to where you'll stick around. And sometimes it's subconscious, but sometimes I do think it is pathological. Yeah. Um, so advice for what happens once you get in the friend zone or for avoiding getting in there in the first place. And this is where we get into friends and listeners. Friend, it's one of the same. Listeners and friends, all of us. Uh, this is where we get into dicey advice territory. Yeah. The internet is exploding with friend zone advice. It's terrible. And ha- yeah, like 90% of it is horrible, except for the stuff that you hear on this podcast. <laughs> so. Exactly. Lucky you for finding this. Well, uh, Dr. Jeremy Nicholson uh, on Psychology Today in December 2011 posted some advice. And I think it's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, this, uh, this is 
wow. Yeah, it it kind of reads uh, like the rules for men, uh, or I guess for women too. But uh, it also reads like here how here's how you can be a little manipulative. Yeah, you want to dial down that interest, make yourself scarce, create some competition by making other friends. This is the worst. I think that's the worst. Well, because re- what he says is when you need to create competition, you need to make other quote unquote friends. Those quotes are his. So he's saying, like, just find a bunch of people to shove in your life. No, specifically of this. Of He says of the sex you're attracted to. Right. So if this is a dude, find a spare woman around. Maybe lots of them. Call up from. See if he's got that binder (laughs) you can send down. Yes. Get the binder. Call these women up because Nicholson is saying jealousy is good. And if you don't see jealousy, then maybe they're just not interested in being more than friends. Yeah. And also, like, I guess, find some time to do all of this stuff, including uh, asking your friend to do things for you, because apparently the sign of love is how many favors you get from a person. And then once they do all of those things, like become jealous and bring you takeout or something like that, you want to reward them. So, okay, let's just take all of that and say that's what you don't do. Because if I found out that a friend of mine was plotting to like increase my investment in that kind of way yeah. and make me jealous. That is not a friend of mine. No, no, that. Ooh. And I've, 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 yes, I've seen this happen to other friends and it's disgusting. Like you're not, you're not a true friend. You are acting in a friendly way. A lot of the time you're maybe like going out for drinks with this person, hanging out, talking on the phone, doing whatever, you know, being activity partners, etc. But if you're really just waiting around to get in that person's pants, in the meantime, you're manipulating them, that's that's not friendship. Yeah, the only bit of advice that I, I would say pay attention to uh, is make yourself scarce. There are sometimes when uh, you have been friend-zoned, you do need to make yourself scarce for, for a both while. of you. Yeah, you have to reestablish the boundaries because once you cross it, unfortunately, you don't even have to... You know, they say sex changes everything. You don't even have to have sex. You don't even have to kiss or touch to change a lot of things with a friendship. Uh, but we've been talking a lot to the guys. Let's talk to the women over at Glamour.com. And this is from January of 2012. Um, and, I, and I like a little bit more of what she has to say. She's like, you know, uh, ask him out right away. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Don't wait too long. Don't make them think that you're not interested by, you know... Whatever, just go ahead, get it out there, and then you can figure out. This is weird, though. They're like, and then worry about if there's chemistry. Yeah, uh, and like, don't be subtle. But this is when I, I was okay. I'll just tell you what it is. <laughs> don't be goofy or self-deprecating. People want goofy friends, but they don't want to sleep with goofy people. Save goofy for the post date. Yeah, and in this case, if that is true, I will be friend zoned for the rest of I'm my life. I'm so screwed. I am yeah. so. I read this. So I'm reading this for the episode. I'm I'm studying up. I'm reading friend zone stuff, and I immediately turn to my roommate. And I'm like, Jeff. <laughs> Do men not want goofy women or do just people not want goofy people? And he was like, I, I'm obviously not the right person to ask because we are both very goofy, ridiculous people. I like goofiness, but I, I feel like I see what she's trying to say. Like, don't just be the class clown. Like, let the person know that you're actually serious about them. But 
Are you really telling me not to be goofy at all? Yeah, I mean, that's just bad advice. Be yourself. How many times do we have to say that? Yeah, and then going on with the typical stuff, like, don't be too available. Establish, I thought this was interesting, establish physical familiarity. So whenever possible, like, when when you do make that joke, Caroline, just, just go, ha-ha, and casually tap him on the shoulder, you know. <laughs> or oh, stroke oh. his cheek, or... Push his nose. Yeah, or just, just you got a boop on your nose. Stroke, stroke his thigh and see if that's <laughs> awkward. Um, and th- there's a little bit more. Basically, like what you need to do. I don't think that we have to run through all of this yeah. questionable advice. Like if you if feelings start to bubble up, you need to take some time to yourself. Figure out what's going on. What is motivating you? What is it about the relationship that you really like? And maybe you should just take those. Uh, those are, uh, you know, signposts of what, what you really want in a relationship with someone else. You know, if it's like a safety factor, a familiarity, a shared interest, uh, take it as a, a, a way to, to learn more about what you like and you don't like. Yeah. I mean, self-awareness is definitely key because this is from Lemon Drop. They say to really look and listen for signs of mutual attraction, but, be careful that you're not just hearing what you want to hear. Yes. Because it's entirely possible that, okay, you spend all this time with this person, you've developed feelings, maybe you're projecting your own, or you think that they've said something that leads you to believe they like you too. Just tread lightly, because it might just be that, you know, you're hoping something that that isn't there, and maybe you're just refusing to see it. Yeah, and also, too, if it is, uh, I'd say if it's a relatively new friendship, there's plenty of room to to explore like you know maybe there is something there there i mean i've 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 experienced like chemistry with uh with guy friends plenty of times but it's like for the closest of them and the ones that i've known for the longest that's when the chemistry like any kind of spark i would feel i would be like oh no what is going on because that's when you don't want to you don't want to risk a lot and you don't want to risk getting angry at the other person either. Right. Well, I think it's interesting wh- how the friendships that manage to uh, survive this whole rocky transition, the confession of feelings and all that stuff. Um, this is from Boise State University, this study. Uh, Heidi Reeder, who's an associate professor of communication, did this study. They found that uh, the people who managed to stay friends, who managed to weather the storm of confessing feelings for your friend, they honestly wanted to stay friends, and they actively pursued the friendship. So they kept doing some of the same things they'd been doing. They verbally affirmed, like, we're still friends. It's cool. This weird thing kind of happened, but you know what? We're going to weather it together. Yeah, and um, they the, the person accepted that the feelings were not mutual, and they moved on. When the friendships dissolved, it was not so surprisingly when the person who had put him or herself out there became awkward or embarrassed, and they still saw that door as being open. Yeah, and were just waiting and hoping. And it sounds like I I would bet in those kinds of situations um because these were based on on interviews with people about uh when they had experienced this, this kind of uh, friendship attraction. Uh I would guess that that might happen more often if you don't take some time apart. Cuz and that can be hard as well. Uh, like if you if you do see a person all of the time and you do have these uh underlying feelings for them, taking time off is also feels like forever. Yeah. The heart can be so complicated, Caroline. I know. Like basically, like if we could have just like taken a 
you know, an, an evolutionary lesson and just said, hey, <laughs> you stay on your side. I'll stay on my side. And we let's never talk. Let's just have awkward middle school slow dances together. <laughs> um, but I would say like from all of, I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about this, this friend zone, uh, idea and what to do about it. Cause a lot of it is, is so wrapped up with all of this, uh, kind of advicey stuff. I've just said stuff like eight times in a row. Um, it is part of our name. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. That's true. But if there was one takeaway I could give people, it would be that if you are in the friend zone, the best thing to do is accept that you're in the friend zone. And then before you know it, you'll be out of the friend zone because really the friend zone is more a state of mind than anything else. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I've been, I feel like you and I both been on both sides of this. And when you're putting someone in the friend zone, like we talked about, it's not always conscious. It's just like you kind of don't really think of the person that way. So... I don't know what to say. Uh, just, yeah, it is a frame of mind for the person who's been friend zoned, I guess. Right. And on the opposite side of that, for the person who's doing the, the, the side that you often end up in, Caroline, like kind of having to like keep, um, like delineate between like where, where the friendship ends. Um, I would say too that maybe, um, if you find yourself keeping Actively having to keep someone in a friend zone for whatever reason, you need to explore first your own motivations for why you're keeping them there. Are you using them or are they aggressively trying to get in that door? Right. I mean, I've had just 
normal friendships where we're not spending like every single night hanging out and, you know, getting drinks and going to movies together, but just like average run of the mill kind of friendships where you're not, yeah, where you're not monopolizing each other's time. So then what's the situation? That's called a friendship. Well, yeah, but if the other person likes has those feelings though, Uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like just run of the mill average friendship structured relationships where the other person like I don't feel like that's being manipulative. No, 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 no. I don't yeah, I don't think that's being manipulative at all. Um and I mean and and at that and at that point if that other person feels like they're in the friend zone, well hey, you jump off a cliff, do or yeah. die, you know. I think I just think like as hard as it is, a conversation needs to happen. Yes. Because I think me personally, uh, if a friend or a, an acquaintance had feelings for me and didn't know how to deal with it, was feeling maybe frustrated or angry or rejected, just come out and say, hey, you know, I think I like you more than just friends. Yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah. You know, something straightforward, casual to the point so that maybe there is that chance that maybe the person is interested. Maybe they're not, but they want to stay friends. Maybe it's time for the two of you to find other friends. Yeah, and I would say, have a conversation. Don't do an impulsive rom-com-esque, you know, quick kiss yeah. when he or she is not expecting it. It could end up being amazing in the best kiss of your life. I don't think that the statistics are in your favor for that to happen. Yeah. Says cynical Kristen. <laughs> Um, but the thing is, uh, let us all comfort ourselves. If we find ourselves dealing with the friend zone, that this is just what we were asking for by wanting to be friends in the first place. Because remember, like the researchers said in the Journal of Personal and Social Relationships, Cross-sex friendships are more complex than both same-sex friendships and romantic partnerships. It's almost more complicated than, than dating. Hear that, folks? Hmm. So, I cannot wait to hear some friend zone stories. And if anyone is stuck, currently stuck in a friend zone, and you are pulling your hair out and you would like any advice, Caroline, I would, I would like to hear from them. Let's hear it. Yeah, we, I will, um, we'll, we'll let you know whatever we can do to to help guide you out of that friend zone. We will try to be the light. Maybe that'll be our next Friday video. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. So send us your friend zone stories. Uh, momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send them. And you can also uh, hit us up on Facebook as well. Or if it's a very minor friend zone problem, you can tweet us <laughs> at momstuffpodcast. And before we get to some letters, got a quick message from our kindly sponsor for this episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You, it is audible.com, your online repository of audio books that you can download for your listening pleasure. Choose from hundreds of thousands of titles. And listeners of Stuff Mom Never Told You can head over to audiblepodcast.com slash stuff mom. Yes, audiblepodcast.com slash stuff mom for a free Download And uh, we thought we'd make a recommendation that some of our listeners might like. You can uh, go to audiblepodcast.com slash stuffmom and download for free The Supergirls, Fashion, Feminism, Fantasy, and the History of Comic Book Heroines by Mike Madrid. So again, if you'd like to check out what Audible has to offer, why don't you head on over right now to audiblepodcast.com slash stuffmom. And now back to our letters. 
And now back to our letters. Uh, I've got one here from Anastasia on our episode on Crazy Cat Ladies. She writes, I never thought cat ladies existed until senior year of college. The boy I was dating lived in a house in the town. A great school, abandoned, awful town. Let's say it ranked as one of the five most depressing cities in America. When he gave me the grand tour, he told me to never look out his room window because it faced the cat lady. I told him that was mean. She probably was just old and lonely, and he and his roommates shouldn't be mean. His roommates would loudly joke about the cat lady, and when they were drunk and would walk by, they would be very quiet in fear of the cat lady. Indeed, I saw she did have an enclosure with about 14 cats. Turns out she was a widow and had started taking in strays to fill up her time. I would constantly scold my boyfriend and his friends to leave the cat lady alone on graduation days when the boys woke up and opened the door there was a cake on the porch with congrats boys you did great you guys are all great kids and you'll do great in the world best wishes always cat lady written on it that's amazing that must have been a big cake (laughs) I was about to say (laughs) if she put all that on a cake incredible Needless to say, they all felt like jerks and chipped in for a few dozen roses and delivered them to her in person. Uh, I told them, let this be a lesson to not make fun of the cat lady. Maybe if they were nicer to her earlier, she would have been a pseudo-grandmother or mom to them. Cat lady or cake lady? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this is from Violet. Subject line, schizo cats. She says, people actually assume that I'm a crazy cat lady all the time. In truth, I have one incredibly needy cat, so the comparison to infants made total sense to me and actually provided me with some relief that she might be normal. However, I was surprised that you all did not include any information on Louis Wayne. Louis Wayne is a famous turn-of-the-century English artist who anthropomorphized cats to the extreme. He began drawing cat cartoons to entertain his dying wife. Once she died, he became a crazy cat man. Lo and behold, he wound up with schizophrenia and was admitted into the Bethlehem Royal Hospital. Regardless, he was an illustrator and comic artist of incredible talent and should be celebrated as such. So, here's to Crazy Catman. Thank you, Violet. Yeah, and uh, thanks to Violet's letter. This was a little while ago, but I did uh, post a number of his crazy cat pictures or paintings, I should say, on our Tumblr. So yet another reason to follow us on Tumblr, stuffmomnevertoldyou.tumblr.com. And thanks to everyone who has written into us at momstuffatdiscovery.com, our email address. And again, you can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And if you'd like to get a little smarter this week, why don't you head over to our website, itshowstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank. Brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. 
Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.